Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 9 through 11. <clears throat> Daniel, make sure that all the microphones are turned off but mine. I'm hearing a little bit of a hum up here, and uh, <clears throat> it may just be uh, it decided to hum today, so that's okay. The title of the message in uh, this is a series, Praying for the Church. The title of the message is Pray for Balance. Do you <clears throat> remember when tires didn't last as long as they do now? Do, do y'all, are y'all old enough? Some of you, I know some of you are. <clears throat> I can remember them wearing out in 20,000 miles or less. I can remember in high school I, I could wear them out in a lot less time than that. Uh, <clears throat> I also remember that you had to constantly get them balanced, and you had to constantly check your, your alignment. It was, it was a, <clears throat> a constant thing. By the way, let me stop just a minute. Jimmy, did I hear that you're reporting this week, tomorrow? You're, you're reporting tomorrow, and where do you go to report? You have to say it louder. Jacksonville. Jimmy Sorensen, stand up. He is reporting to the United States Army tomorrow. Would you all uh, wish him well? Thank you, Jimmy. That's a little bit of a change in plans as far as the timing, I think. I thought it was going to be a little bit later, but but, uh, I'm glad to see you today. And we love you, my friend. I have mad respect for you. Uh, You remember when you had to get them constantly balanced and and get the alignment checked on your car? That was just a a continual thing. But something happened. I don't know what it is. Now, you you never get your car realigned. You never get it realigned unless you have an accident or you hit something in the front end really, really hard. You never get your car realigned. And they they don't balance your tires now unless you feel a strong vibration, they just rotate them. And uh, they will say to you, <clears throat> we don't balance the tires, we only rotate them. Unless you're feeling a vibration, then we'll, we'll balance them. Uh, the tires on my car are actually under warranty for 50,000 miles. They're under the same warranty as the car is itself, which <clears throat> is amazing to me. I, I, don't, I don't know what's happened to tires. I wish that would happen to the rest of life. How can they do that? How can there be something that you use every day, but it keeps itself in balance? Uh, Why can't the church be that way? Why can't our church be that way, just keep itself in balance? Well, I will tell you this, it can't, and it doesn't keep itself in balance. The church can keep in balance, but it's not automatic. It's not a self-balancing thing. We have to work at it, and we have to be diligent at how we work. In today's text, the Apostle Paul prays for the Philippian church to maintain a balance, to keep them uh, their spiritual strength and give them spiritual strength for the days ahead. Just uh, three verses, beginning in verse <coughs> 9 <coughs> of Philippians 1. <coughs> and it is my prayer that your love, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, <coughs> <coughs> and it is my prayer that your love may abound <coughs> more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, here's an interesting thing about Philippians 1. In the first six verses of the letter uh, to the Philippian church, Paul tells them, he said, I'm thinking about you. I think about you a lot. What he says is, you're in my, my mind. And then in the next 
uh, two verses of Philippians, he tells them how he feels about them. He, he tells them of his love for them and, and so on. And what he's saying is, you're in my, my heart. You're in my <clears throat> mind, he says, and you're in my heart. Then in these three verses, he tells them, you are in my prayers. You're in my mind, <clears throat> you're in my heart, and you're in my prayers. And it's to that end <clears throat> that I want us to take a look at this. The, the Philippian church was a good church, but the church was a church that need, needed continual prayer. It wasn't <clears throat> self-balancing. It wasn't self-adjusting. It needed to have continual prayer. North Florida Baptist Church is a good <clears throat> church, but we are not automatic. Uh, we are not self-balancing. <clears throat> we are in continual need of, of prayer. The body of Christ is not self-adjusting. To, to stay <clears throat> balanced and strong, we have to pray our way through these things. And the three verses of our text point out <clears throat> six areas, and I'll just call them balance points, six balance points that are needed uh, in the church <clears throat> that's being addressed and also that's needed for the church here at 3000 North Meridian Road. I often say to you that not all the Bible was written to us, but it was all written for us. Here is a passage <clears throat> that today I want you to consider this is written to us. This is written to North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road. I want you to think of it like this. First of all, he prays <clears throat> that we would be <clears throat> loving. Verse 9, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more <clears throat> and more. Now that's some interesting wording right there, that your love may abound more and more. First of all, the prayer was for their love to abound. Now the Greek word for abound means to be in excess, over the top, <clears throat> really big, really something, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Mucho, mucho, mucho. <clears throat> so very much. I want your love <clears throat> to be a lot, a whole whole lot. And so he said, I want your love to be a lot. And then he goes on, and there's, there's something else that's very interesting. He says, I want, it, uh, I want your love <clears throat> to uh, be abound, but he used the words more and more, almost, almost redundant. Abound would mean more or a lot. <clears throat> then he says, more and more. Now, what in the world does <clears throat> that mean? Well, the two words more there are different in the Greek language. And this is not going to be a Greek lesson. I can't give you a Greek lesson because I'm not a scholar in Greek, but I can tell you a little bit. <clears throat> this, this means to, first of all, surpass in scale. That's what one of the words more means. And the other word more means <clears throat> for a, a duration of time. So I want your love to abound, be a lot, 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 <clears throat> to pass in scale, that is to be beyond scale, for a long, long, long time. Now that's very interesting, isn't it? That's what the love was to be, to surpass in scale for a long, long, long uh, time. Paul's prayer was that their love would go beyond measure and be multiplied even for the span of time. In other words, that their love would never stop being over the top. He never wanted their love for each other or the work of God for the people of God, the lost world. He never wanted it to stop 
growing and being more and more. Now think about that. If you're thinking about uh, North, uh, the, the church here at 3000 North Meridian Road, here's the prayer. <clears throat> that your love may abound and never stop growing and growing and growing and growing right here at this church. If that's <clears throat> the prayer that we would apply to this church, he never wants our love for each other, for the work of God, for the people of God, for the lost world. He never <clears throat> wants our love to stop abounding. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this series of messages should be obvious. There's coming a day, and if you're a guest in our services and you don't know this, you're about to find out, <clears throat> there's coming a day in the future, less than a year, when I will no longer be your pastor. Uh, I have announced that I will be retiring from uh, pastoring at the end of May <clears throat> in 2017. However, <clears throat> I want you to understand this. I am not crucial to the continued blessings or prosperity of this church. Now, I want to say that again because I want you to really hear it because I really mean it. I am not crucial to the, the continued blessing and prosperity of this church. If, if I were, then I, if, if I was crucial to it, then I'd have to pastor every church. There are a lot of churches that are doing wonderfully well who've never heard of a Randy Ray. So I am not crucial. I am the person <clears throat> that God has had here for 24 years and, and prayerfully by the time that I retire will have been here for, <clears throat> for 25 years and longer. Look, what is crucial is that we love one another. What is crucial <clears throat> is that you love the work of God. Love the souls who are lost and in need of the message of Jesus Christ. Love them. <clears throat> that is crucial. Uh, crucial, <clears throat> love the souls that are lost. Crucial to, to God's hand continuing uh, to be on North Florida Baptist Church is the love of God in our hearts as demonstrated in our body or in this body. So when you pray for the future of this church, you should pray that we love one another. I mean that we really <clears throat> love one another. You have to pray that. Now, I, I, let me just stop and say this right now, that if there's somebody in this fellowship with whom or for whom you do not have a genuine love, or you say, I cannot have a genuine love for them, I, I just, I cannot come to terms of loving them, then, then let me say this to you. You have got to fix that. You say, well, I'll just go somewhere where I can love all the people. No, no, you'll take that baggage with you. Don't take that baggage to another church. You've got to love the people here. <clears throat> You've got to learn to love the fellowship. You may very well end up in the condo next door to that person in heaven. So you better learn to love that person here on this earth. The first balance point is to be loving. The second balance point is to be discerning. Continue in verse 9, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Not only does Paul pray for them to have love for each other, but that the love have a depth and a knowledge and discernment. Now, the Greek word for knowledge is <clears throat> more than knowing about something. It's an experiential knowledge. It's a deeper knowledge. I, I want you to have <clears throat> a growing love for each other with a deeper knowledge than is normal. Let, let me explain that a little bit. Who do you know 
more about than the people in your own personal family? Well, nobody. You know about your own personal family more than you know about anybody else. <clears throat> you, you know their, you've seen them at their best. You've seen them at their worst. Uh, you, you know their weaknesses. <clears throat> you know their weird ways. You know their, where they, they fall short. And even though <clears throat> you know enough about them to cause others to think less of them, you remain loyal to them. I know enough about my own family that if I were to just stand up here and tell you things about my own family, you would probably think less of at least some of them just by the things that I would tell you. But they don't affect me. I'm still loyal to them, so much so that I wouldn't tell you those things about them. Why? Well, I continue to love them because they're my family. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to have knowledge, deep experiential knowledge about my family, but I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them no matter what. You continue to love them. And then to add to that knowledge, we must be discerning. In other words, we not only love them, but we must know how to love them. Now, all of you know that I have three sons, Nathan, Matthew, and Paul. Each of them process information and emotions differently. They are three, they're brothers. They were born uh, to Mrs. Ray and me, but they are different individuals as grown men. One will be 38 tomorrow, one is 35, and will be, I guess, uh, 36 in in, uh, August, and in September, one will be 32. Now, let me tell you, I love those guys. I love them. Any one of the three of them can be an absolute jerk at any given moment. In fact, they're they're some of the fastest people that I know. They can go from being wonderful to being a jerk in less than two seconds. It's amazing. They are really, really fast. But I love them. What I love, what I know about them, however, though, is that they are different. And they process information differently. They do not process information or emotion in the same way. And so here's what I try to do. I try to share information with them in in different ways, the same piece of information. If I have a piece of information that I need to share that may be be difficult for one and less difficult for the other, I tell it to them the same but different, if you know what I I mean. I'm not always successful, but at least I try to have some insight, some discernment as to who they are in the Ray family. That being said, we love the church with discernment. Not everybody is going to love the church, is is going to be the exact same in the church. We're just not going to be the same. We can't be the same. That being said, we can be and are of equal value to God here in this church family or anywhere else. Now, here's the question. Can you love this church family with an experiential knowledge, that is, you really know what they're like, they really know what you're like, can you love them and, excuse me, man, don't know what that is, I would have thought that storm would clear it out, 
<clears throat> can you allow <clears throat> for someone to be less than your cup of tea? Can you allow for that? Can you allow for somebody <clears throat> to be not your favorite person, but you still are loving to them and loyal to them in the family of God? I don't think I can do that. Well, you do that for your family. <clears throat> this is the family of God. So why can you not do this in the family <clears throat> of God? Let me, let me be real specific. You're going to be calling <clears throat> a pastor to lead this church. At some time, that, that real process will begin. In fact, it's already begun, and it's, it's getting in earnest today, and you'll understand what I mean. <clears throat> How can any local church find the leadership of God when there isn't enough <clears throat> love to overcome personality difference, personal differences, past issues, and so on. How can that be? How can a church <clears throat> find the right person for them, the right pastor, if <clears throat> the body in the, of the, the church, the church family, can't overcome whatever issues have kept you apart from each other or having a little grit in your crawl, <clears throat> sand in your gizzard, or whatever it might be regarding somebody else. How is that possible? I want to tell you something. It's not a good thing. <clears throat> Paul's prayer for the church is that they would love beyond measure and then <clears throat> multiplied for the duration of time and do so with full knowledge of one another, discerning that the work of God is far more important than the emotions or preferences of an individual. That's the paraphrase <clears throat> of what we've just read. I want to read it again because it's pretty close to brilliant and it didn't get even one amen. <clears throat> I'm going to do it again, all right? Get this. Somebody pucker up to amen. <clears throat> Let's start with you, Larry. <clears throat> Paul's prayer for the church. This is, this is something. Paul's prayer for the church is that they would love one another beyond measure <clears throat> and then multiplied for the duration of time to do so with full knowledge of one another, discerning that the work of God is far more important than the emotions or preferences of any single individual. <clears throat> and that's the truth. That's a balance point. <clears throat> We've seen the balance point of love, the balance point of discerning or being dis uh, having discernment. Here's a third one. <clears throat> Excellence. Excellence, excellente. Verse 10, <clears throat> so that you may prove what is excellent. Now, churches <clears throat> and church people have an unusual way of proving what is excellent, what has worth. To us, <clears throat> here's how worth is measured worth is measured in bigger and better. And I love bigger and better. Every pastor, every church wants to be bigger and <clears throat> better. But there is the need for excellence that doesn't always mean bigger and better. There is a call for excellence. To be excellence is to be outstanding. What does outstanding mean to the local church? What does outstanding mean to you? Well, Paul's prayer was that after being tested and proven or approved, as the translation says, they would be found excellence, better for what they have gone through, better for the experiences that they have had. 
Now, as a church family, and I've been here 24 years, like I said, in February, it'll be 25 years. And as a church family, we have gone through some real tests. And we have come through the proving ground. And I believe with more excellence than before we were put through the test. Sometimes the tests were very difficult to endure. But afterward, we looked around at our church and we said, we're a better church. Because we have been tested and we have been proven and we're a better church. Proving times are not over for our church. When Pastor Ray is gone and another pastor comes, that doesn't mean that proving times have ended. Proving times will continue to go on for our church. Our prayer should be that our church and our church family continue to be found excellent after times of proving. This church, after it goes through the, 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 the assignment of a pastoral search, this church on the other side of it should be better. You say, well, we will be better because we'll get a better pastor. I understand that. I'll stop that. <clears throat> we'll be better. That's Dale McKenzie, by the way. <clears throat> Just in case you wondered who it was. Dale McKenzie was the, here the day that I got here. And when I was going through, uh, you know what, H-E-double hockey sticks and the high water, Dale McKenzie was standing right there with me the whole time. He is one of those servants that helped me and his dear wife to walk through some of those proving times. We're going to be proven. The church will be better, not because of the new pastor, but because of the proving I want, to give you, <clears throat> I want to give you an insight. This is just some, some insight, and, and only you get it. Good for you. <clears throat> this is some insight in regard to one area of transition that's important for this church and for the next pastor. All right, heads up, everybody square your shoulders, listen really good. NFC is a ministry of our church. North Florida Christian School is a ministry of our church. It was founded by this church in 1966. This is the 50th year, beginning of the 50th year of North Florida Christian School. Now, let me tell you, and I'm just, I'm speaking honestly here. There are people who have said that the church would not exist were it not for the school. There have been a lot of people, and maybe some of you have said, you know, if, if we didn't have the school, we wouldn't have the church. That couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's just the opposite, the exact opposite. And, and I'm not going to get into too much of detail, but I am going to address this in some detail later in August in our Back to School Sunday. I want to explain how that, and I'm just being very honest with you, and I love North Florida Christian School, but I want to explain to you how and, and why North Florida Christian School leans on North Florida Baptist Church. And if North Florida Baptist Church wasn't here, they'd fall in the floor. They, they cannot exist without North Florida Baptist Church. It's not possible. It is not possible. And I, I will tell you in more detail that you may not believe that. And I love you in the Lord, but you're so wrong. You, you could not be further 
uh, from, from uh, being accurate on that. Now, all that being said, you, you can be assured, and I've, I've given you all of that. I, I don't think that the, in fact, I know that the church, the school could not have, have continued through the ups and downs of the economy, uh, of publicity, of politics, and so on, were it not for the strength of the church. We're looking at excellence. That being said, we are developing a school board to govern the school. Now, I want to explain that a little bit. The pastor has always been the president of the school and thus the governor of sorts. And, and some of you may not know all this, and I'm giving you some real good information. The pastor has been the, the president of the school and kind of like the governor, and as such has taken a lot of time and energy, quite honestly, of the pastoral ministry <clears throat> to be the governor of the school. And this pastor, Pastor Ray, has, I don't resent that, not one little bit. God has, has equipped me for that, and that's, that's fine. <clears throat> An even bigger issue, however, is the fallout that is had on our ministry and our church. Look, let's, and, and please don't lean over and whisper to one another when I say this, because there's, there's far more than one. See, I got one guy even walking out on me. And I'm just kidding. I know. I know he's got to, he's got to take care of something. But I, I, look, <clears throat> as, and, and, and there's many illustrations of this. But let me just give you an, an illustration. When an unpopular decision has been made or an issue has come up at North Florida Christian School, where does it land? It lands right here, doesn't it? It has always landed right here. Now, the reason that it's landed right here primarily is because I'm the governor. I'm the president of the school. Uh, it's always been here. I, I cannot tell you, and, and I'm, I'm so sad over this, but it's the truth. I cannot tell you the number of families this church has lost over the years because of a school issue that was either made by him or seemed to be made by him, by the pastor. I cannot tell you the number of families. You could tell me. I mean, you can list them. Boom, 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 boom. You can list them. As far as I know, in 25 years, after we got through the initial, or 24 years, after we got through the initial part, I can think of maybe two or three families that left the church because of the church. Most of the families that have ever left this church have been because, quite honestly, they ascribe something negative with the school with the pastor. Have I got your attention now? Okay, let me continue on then. Look, that being said, here is the way that a school board will help that and still maintain the school as a ministry of the church. And if somebody is thinking, well, they're going to do a school board, it's no longer going to be a ministry of the church. Nah, listen to this. There will be seven school board members with the pastor being the chairman of the school board, not the president of the school, but the chairman of the school board. This is different from the current structure. The board will meet at, a, at designated times to review and or approve certain school matters as opposed to the current status where the pastor uh, governing the school uh, is under continual review. It, it will be different. You say, well, then the, 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 school, uh, the, the school administrator will not be under the pastor's leadership. Absolutely so. 
because the school is a ministry of the church. But as to function, there is a school board, and the pastor will be the chairman of that school board. Now, this has already been voted on and decided and, and, and drawn up and the deacons approved and, and all that kind of thing. Now, here's the way that, that that works. The deacons of the church will approve every board member other than the pastor. And the reason the deacons won't approve the pastor is because the church has already approved the pastor. The church has already called the pastor. So the deacons will approve every board member. On the board will be two church members who may or may not be school parents. And there'll be two school parents who may or may not be church members. And there'll be two people from the community. And then there'll be the pastor. And so you have, and, and the school administrator is an ex officio member of the school board, uh, which means he is, attends the meetings, but he's, he's not the, um, uh, he's, he doesn't have a vote. So you have seven people on the board, two community members, two church members, either may or may not be members of the church. Well, you understand what I'm saying two members of the community, and two, <clears throat> two school parents, and a pastor. Here's what's unique about the pastor. The pastor will have a veto in the case the majority of the board wants to move in a direction that's contrary to the founding of the school or the continuity or the good of the ministry. The pastor can say, we're not going to do that. The, the school board can say, we need to raise funds. And, and the hottest thing going right now, in fact, that he turned up at Country Music Awards show, is Pitbull. And we're going to have Pitbull here, and Pitbull is going to do a concert, uh, and, and we're going to use the, the church, um, and, and uh, well, I'll tell you what, we're not even going to use the church. We're going to rent out the, the, um, uh, the Civic Center. We're going to rent out the Civic Center, and Pitbull's going to have a concert, and <clears throat> it's going to be to uh, raise money for North Florida Christian School, and uh, this is going to set up a big endowment and so forth, and <clears throat> six members vote for it. Now, if I'm the chairman of the board as a pastor, I'm, I'm voting no. No, we're not going to do that. Lady Gaga, maybe, but not Pitbull. <laughs> we're just not going to do that. And, and so, <clears throat> and, and it doesn't mean that the pastor has to be the, the governor every day the way that the pastor has been now, but it does mean <clears throat> that there is a veto opportunity. And it's important for that. None of this will keep the church from being tested in school matters, but it gives the next pastor the opportunity to lead the church without being seen as the cause of every disagreeable situation in the school. Do you know how many times I have had parents of a certain activity, want to come and meet with me. And, and the reason they do is because they know that Pastor Ray is the governor. And so they want to meet with the governor, so to speak. And, and please, don't take this as sour grapes. I'm perfectly happy. I, I've had no, no problem over the years. I, I have no problem. You know, this God made me for, for this and, and God equipped me for this and I'll just take it the way that God intended. I don't have an issue. I really and truly don't have an issue. But I will tell you this, you'll be hard pressed to find another person with that skill set. And quite honestly, I can fix that for this church and I can fix that for the next pastor. 
the next pastor doesn't have to come in and say, man, this is messed up. Everything's going to fall on the preacher's head here, and he's never going to. I, I can fix that, and I can do that now, and, and you'll be okay with it now since I did it because I've been building up points for all of these years with you. But if a new guy came in, you'd say, that ain't the way Brother Randy did it. Pastor Ray didn't do it that way. We did that. Look, <laughs> you're going to learn that it doesn't have to be the way that Pastor Ray did it. This matter is unique to our church. What is not unique to our church is that all churches go through proving. And hopefully and prayerfully, that proving leads to excellence, yielding a church family that is pure. That's the fourth thing. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul's prayer was was specifically for the church in Philippi. His prayer was for them to stand the test that will prove them excellent to the end, being pure and blameless, shining, unfailing to the day of Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you this, today Philippi is in ruins in the country of Greece and there is no church there. So evidently something strayed. Did Paul's prayer fail? Did the church fail? I'm not sure that we can pronounce failure, but we can observe that what was once the best example of a church is no longer in existence. That should be sobering. It's no longer in existence. The church goes on, but it moved from the exemplary position to be held in Philippi. It, it is, is, is the failure of a particular church inevitable? Do all churches fall or fail and, and, and move on to another place? Is that true? What, what aren't churches? Don't churches ever get too big to fail? Don't churches ever get too big to fall? Does that ever come into play? That really doesn't. That's why you have to keep praying for balance and keep praying for the church. A church where Jan and I were members, and some of you were members of this church too, a long time ago. A church where Jan and I were members is no longer in existence today. When we were members, the attendance was recorded at around 10,000 every Sunday. 10,000 every Sunday. That's how big that church was. 10,000 every Sunday. Heads there. People in the seats. 10,000. Today, there is a remnant that meets at a different location under a different name that has less than 200 people. That church had a school. It was one that neared 4,000 in attendance at its highest. It is no longer in existence today. Now, that is in my lifetime. A church that had hit that mark that today is nowhere. What happened? What happened there can happen here. It can happen anywhere. Any church can get out of balance to the point that it can no longer move forward. This is why we pray for our church to be filled with love and discernment and excellence and purity. This is why we work at harmony and unity and setting aside our feelings and, and whatever prejudices we might have that would cause the church to cease to be what God raised it up to be. That kind of continuity does not happen casually. It is not the result of a fad or a rising tide. It's the product of a, a body of believers who are diligent to love God and serve Him in all harmony as a church. That's how that happens. In fact, God wants our church to be abundant. That's the fifth balancing point. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. The verse begins with a request for the church to be filled. Everybody loves it when the church is filled. You've heard me say that this church was built for graduations, and it's true. That, by the way, is yet another confirmation of the school's dependence on the church. We have remodeled three times in the past 24 years, and we've made improvements each time. And I've seen the church full on several occasions, aside from graduations, but never as you would like or as I would like. So are we disqualified from being abundant, as the text described? Well, Paul's prayer was for the church to be abundant, to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. The words to the Colossian church are a good measure of the kind of abundance Paul was praying for for the Philippian church, Colossians 1.10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Our prayer should be that our church should be abundant in every good work. We should be abundant in love. We should be abundant in passion for souls, abundant in missions, abundant in faithfulness to the Word, abundant in stewardship, abundant in every good work. That's what the prayer should be. That's what the abundance should be about. Abundant in every good work. God led Jan and me to start a church in Nashville, Tennessee on July the 4th, 1976. We saw some wonderful things happen there in the 15 and a half years that we served. Some of my dearest friends on earth are from that church. The best thing about that church is that they have continued in every good work after we moved here, and they continue today. That's the best thing about that church. That church continues to be abundant in every good work. What I pray for this church, and you should uh, pray for this church too, is that it be filled, filled with the fruit of righteousness, abundant in every good work. Nothing ever stays the same. That is not the point. When I came here in 1992, the point was, was not to abound in the former pastor's work. That was not the point. And after I'm gone, the point will not be to abound in the work that Pastor Ray established, refined, or practiced. That is not the point. The point is that this church abound in every good work for one purpose only, and that is the glorifying of God. Can you say amen? That's the abundance, and that's the reason. Continuing on in verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, I've dropped in a time or two at that church in Nashville that we started. Just Jan and me. That's how how it started. Just Jan and me. Uh, We were, let's see, I was 26, she was 25. And uh, Jan's a beautiful lady today. And, and had you seen her at 25, you would know why the crowds came. And, and I go back and visit that church once in a while, just, just occasionally. Sometimes in the middle of the week. When I get inside of the church, I see people that I don't recognize and they don't recognize me. It's kind of an interesting thing when you walk into a, a place where you 
you, you, God led you to start this church. You were there and so forth and so on. And somebody walks up to you and says, may I help you? They didn't know me. I didn't know them. And the longer that I have been gone, the fewer who even knew there was a pastor there named Randy Ray. Did you know that most of you would not recognize the founding pastor of this church if he came in and sat on the front row? I mean, you'd recognize it because someone sat on the front row, but you wouldn't know who it was. Who is that guy sitting on the front row? You wouldn't recognize him. And in a few years, when I'm on campus, if I'm on campus, there will be somebody walk up to me and say, could we help you, sir? And could I tell you this? That is perfectly fine. It is never. God's work is, the, the, the point to God's work is never the servant, it's the master. We, all of us, serve at the master's pleasure and for his glory and his glory alone. Whatever good that happens is to his praise and whatever uh, bad that happens is to our shame. Jesus paid it all so he gets all of the praise. All of it. Not most. All of it. Maybe there'll be a day when you say, I sure miss Brother Randy. I miss Pastor Ray. That may or may not be okay, but I pray this church never says, I miss God. Because God is the founder and and he is the author and finisher of our faith. and, And we should never take him out of the place as the master of this church.